With the Restore 22 Coffee Roadshow podcast, our goal is to inform, inspire, strengthen, and engage the veteran community. We do this by promoting discussion, resources, programs, and events that can enhance their quality of life. Restore 22 Coffee Roadshow is a place where strangers become friends, where hurts are healed, and where faith is restored. Hello and welcome to the Restore 22 Coffee Roadshow podcast. I'm Christine Ree, Restore 22 Executive Director, and we are recording again today at Friendship Perkin Brew, a veteran-owned coffee shop located at 300 South Pacific Avenue in Pittsburgh's Friendship neighborhood. I want to give a shout out to everybody in the audience today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to our veterans. Um, we're here today to talk with our guest, Sonny Hanlon. Sonny is a Vietnam veteran and Animal Friends volunteer. He's here today to share his story and to tell us about a wonderful program offered by Animal Friends here in Pittsburgh that connects veterans with companion animals. Welcome, Sonny. Thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you here. Animal Friends is an awesome animal shelter. I um, personally adopted two cats from them. And I've been there myself, and I know that the, they do a lot of great work there. And the fact that they have a program for veterans is just so heartwarming to me. So I'm excited to have you share. But before we talk about Animal Friends, I'd like to learn a little bit about your military career. So let's, um, let's just have you introduce, you know, high level. Um, where did you serve, and uh, how did you get in? Uh, well, I was drafted in October 66. Um, Middle Vietnam. Well, yep, after basic training in <laughs> mm-hmm. IT, a short stint in uh, at St. Louis uh, with a, on an Air Force base. Um, ended up in Vietnam. Um, went to Vietnam in July of 67. And spent the, uh, not quite two-year tour, not quite the one-year tour mm-hmm. there. I was shortened about 30 to 45 days because I was so close to rotating out. Uh. Yeah. How, you were drafted. So how, how did you feel about being drafted? Uh, <clears throat> duty calls. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've always been uh, a staunch supporter of the military. Um, I, uh, when I was drafted, it was kind of an interesting thing. Uh, it took you down to the federal building, and you went through the normal entry stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they lined you up. You took the oath of office, which I took very serious mm-hmm. and still do today. An officer came out and said, count off by twos. Everybody counted off one, two, one, two. Mm -hmm. He said, number ones, take one step forward, left face, you're in the Marines. Number two, (gasps) right face, you're in the Army. Oh, goodness. Well, I went in the Army. Uh But um, Fort Jackson and then on to uh, Scott Air Force Base and then to uh, Phan Rang, Vietnam. And how old were you at the time you were drafted? Uh, Just turned 21. Wow. Did you have an opinion about the war at the time? No. I, I didn't think um, my knowledge of the politics of it uh, were not enough for me to make any kind of educated guess. Mm-hmm. I was basically relying on my government, and if they said pack up and go, I went. 
And you packed up and I packed up did the, the right thing and, as far and, as you were concerned. And right? gave yeah. it my all. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me what job did you have? I was uh, educated as a wheeled vehicle mechanic, which was kind of odd because I've been down at Bridgeville PID drag race almost all my life from the time I was 16 till the time I was drafted. Um, so, so that was a good fit for you. Yeah, auto, auto mechanics was something mm-hmm. I, I, I sucked up at, at that age, naturally. Um, but uh, a wheeled vehicle mechanic. Um, and that was one of the things that Vietnam needed. Mechanics were a shortage until I got there. Oh. When I got to Phan Rang, there was eight mechanics replacing down there, and they only needed three. Oh, goodness. So they moved me over to a generator shop and said, oh, you take care of those generators. I said, oh, this is good. I'll do this. Have you ever Had you ever worked on generators before? No, but they're basically funny-looking lawnmowers, so okay. it's no big deal, you know. And that was great, uh, but that lasted only about six weeks, and um, we got a call to report to the sergeant major at battalion headquarters, and I didn't know what I did. Uh, reported there, and they decided that the uh, colonel wanted a security force. Mm-hmm. And he went through all the military records that he had at his disposal for all the replacements and took the best shots in the battalion and made him his personal security force. When you say best shots in the battalion, are you talking with... What, rifles? Rifles, yeah, yes. Okay. yes. Yeah, because that would be important to be on the security detail. Right, right. Well, he was looking out for his own butt. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, so I was in a, uh, an elite group of about eight individuals that were basically a permanent security detail because we were at battalion headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, we were at the foot of the mountains, and on the top of the mountain was the 101st, 1st Brigade Airborne. Uh, we supported them. Um, it was interesting, but most of the time I was at night. Um, sometimes outside the compound because we had a loading dock outside the compound where we had to protect. Mm-hmm. And that was about the only time I was ever shot at. Yeah, you told me this story previously. And yes. Um, I share that imagery. Yeah, it if, was, if you don't uh, mind, would you share that with our listeners? Uh, yeah, it's, it's probably about the most exciting uh, time. <laughs> um, and I can't believe some of the stuff that went on. But, uh, yeah, I saw one of the guard towers. We had three guard towers around here and on the front gate. And I was on the front gate. And the one guard tower kept shooting up flares, and I figured he's just getting sleepy and he's trying to stay awake until I saw him take some automatic weapons mm-hmm. fire. And about a split second after that, I heard myself catching some fire. And all I can remember is the chips from the two-by-fours on my guard shacks hit me in the face. And I hit the ground wondering, my God, someone's trying to kill me. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I'm, I can't imagine me even thinking that because where was I? I was in Vietnam, yeah. you know. But um, I, did, um, I did pop up a red flare right away, which told battalion headquarters we were under fire. And my security uh, chief, uh, Captain Parks, come through the front gate in his Jeep. And he was in his uh, flak vest underwear and shower thongs <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs> with his M16. And he said, where are we taking fire? And I, I told him over in the right corner. And just then I saw trip flares going off on our, on our trip line we had around the compound. So I knew I had an enemy within that 20 mm-hmm. feet there, and I gave him two quick magazines down there, and then he moved me to the ice house because we had civilians working in the ice house. I had to secure them. But that was about it. Um, it was the first time you were being shot at. You'll never forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I had. I uh, come home and went to a movie, um, Saving Private Ryan. And this was how many years later? This is got to be three or four years later. Okay. I'm sitting in the front row because the theater was packed. And the D-Day invasion was on screen and Mm -hmm. was about the most lifelike battlefield you'll ever want to witness on screen. 
I remember the sound of the bullets hitting the sand, mm -hmm. and it brought back that memory. I could feel the chips hitting me in the face again. I broke into a cold sweat, and it was so, I was, my body was hot, but my sweat was cold. My wife looked at me and says, what's wrong with you? And I just, for about, seemed like it was about five or six minutes. It was probably only about 10 or 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. The only time I've ever had a reoccurrence. But it, it stuck with me. I didn't think I'd ever have anything stick with me because I have an ability to live the moment. It's over. Pass, yeah. go, you know, I, I go past it. That's the one I couldn't get past. Yeah, that's unusual for people who have been in combat, you know, stationed in a, in a war zone. Um, you know, a lot of people deal with some difficult memories and some difficult ramifications of that. So you're, I think you're somewhat unique in the fact well, that... Well, <clears throat> unique, yeah. uh, you could... Um, thank you. Mm -hmm. That sounds better than what I think. I think <laughs> I was just too dumb to realize uh -huh. I was in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but when I was... Um, talking to animal friends they said Sonny is going to be the per per perfect person to come and talk on your podcast and they said he's a vietnam veteran and he was in the tet offensive right so tell us the story about the tet offensive oh the tet offensive when that hit um i was just anxious because i had put in about three weeks before the tet offensive hit for my r and r in sydney australia mm -hmm. and i was anxious to go there <clears throat> Then the Tet Offensive hit, and it was just uh, chaos in the company area because we had gotten word up in the lot, up in the mountains, that a unit up there was understaffed, and they were taking heavy fire. And it was 25 deuce and a half. Every man that could carry the rifle and load up with ammo. Um, it was an interesting story because when I went to get on one the back of the deuce and a half, my buddies had to lift me up in there. They said, how did you get so heavy? I had every magazine I had in my pants pockets, and I couldn't mm -hmm. climb up in that truck. But, uh, yeah, we headed out to the lot. We got there. Um, they were glad to see us. Uh, we were glad to be there. Um, wasn't all that exciting when we got there. I think they saw us coming. I don't know. I mean, 25 deuce and a half is loaded. Mm -hmm. uh, and usually 25 deuce and a half, that's usually two gun jeeps, too. So we, we went up there heavy, and, um, and everything was, was, wasn't a big deal. Turn around and come back the next morning. So that's unusual. You hear people talk about you know having that experience, being part of that, and yours was kind of anticlimactic. It was. <laughs> but, you know, I'm probably one of the boorest, uh, boorest you know, soldier you could talk to because it's just like um, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. <clears throat> the only reason the other one was a big deal was because I relived it a couple times, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. So that stuck in my mind. But, right. uh, no, um, that my biggest uh, problems were the disabilities I got after I got out of the service. Mm -hmm. I was notified by the Department of Defense that I was in a heavy sprayed area soon after I was married, and um, I had to report to the VA hospital for three days of examination, uh, and I had a lot of exposure. Um, and this is Agent Orange we're yeah, talking Agent Orange about. Exposure, yeah. Yes, I've got uh, tumors, sarcoid tumors on my lymph nodes, I since then have diabetes, neuropathy, prostate cancer. Um, it's been one thing after another, and just recently, I just got out of the hospital uh, last month uh, with an 80% blockage of the Widowmaker. So you've been through a little bit, haven't you? I've been you? through a little bit health-wise, but yeah. um, I tell my wife, I'm lucky. I'm, I just always have been lucky. She says, you're not lucky. You're blessed. Yes. <laughs> I'll take it whichever way you call it. Yes, and you have a great attitude. That's because, truthfully, when I got out of the service... My buddy, my wingman, says, you've got to hear this chick sing. Went up to this club in the dunes out in center PA. Come across the dance floor. She was just getting off the stage singing. 
and she stopped me and said something about a medallion I had on, and I gave it to her. And I tried to take her out, no way, she wasn't going out with me. So I told her, I said, well, tell Lloyd, my, my, her guitar player, Sonny, said hello, because I went to high school with him. Oh. And she found out, well, how is it? Oh, Sonny, he's a great guy. Mm -hmm. So she went out with me, and uh, we went out about six dates, and I asked her to marry wow. me. Wow. 54 years. Oh, my goodness. You met her for the first time. You gave her the medallion off your chest. Right. She didn't want to go out with you. Right. You didn't give up. I didn't give up. And all it took was six dates. Six days. <laughs> I asked her to marry me. She said, I got to think about it. Uh-huh, smart woman. She gave me the next day, <laughs> and then she told me yes. But then a couple years later, she said, what did you think when I said, I have to think about it? Uh-huh. I said, you didn't say no. <laughs> Always think positive. That's right. <laughs> so when you were leaving Vietnam, uh, what was it like when your tour was over and you came back home? Uh, I got, I was lucky, um, just my tour duty, I was in Vietnam just uh, not quite a year. Mm -hmm. I was just shy a year because I was short. And when I got out, I got an early drop. I uh, was released at Fort Lewis, July 26th, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I signed off to the finance officer and I was out of the Army. I got the first airplane I could find going east, mm -hmm. and I got home. Um, I called my mother from St. Louis when I got to St. Louis and said, Mrs. Halen, I have a package from Vietnam for you. She said, oh, that's probably for my son. And then I said, I couldn't fake it any longer. I said, Mom, it's me. I'm Aww. home. She's dead pause. Then I heard her quivering voice Start say, crying. She said, where are you? I said, I'm in St. Louis. I'll be home uh, in Pittsburgh uh -huh. Monday. And um, she met me. I can't even imagine the joy uh, she must have felt that and, you were and, home and, safe. and me too. And me mm -hmm. too. Me and my mother have always been really close. Mm -hmm. Oh, how sweet. So your transition back then wasn't too difficult for you. No, no. I really got to say mentally mine mm -hmm. hasn't. And, and I, I, think this, I think this helps me in my work with uh, Animal Friends. Yeah, nice segue. Thank you. <laughs> I was just going there. So you were very fortunate with your military career. Um, but as I'm sure you know, a lot of veterans aren't so lucky. No. And they continue to struggle with anxiety, depression, PTSD, not to mention any physical wounds they might have uh, or emotional, other emotional wounds. But for veterans struggling with things like this, Animal Friends for Veterans can provide some help. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you to talk about that program for us. And first, tell, you know, tell us a little bit about the program and how you got involved. Okay. Um, this program was uh, actually started by Dr. Bill Follinsby. He's a UPMC heart doctor mm -hmm. here in Pittsburgh. His son, uh, Major Ben, two tours in the Mideast. He, um, he came home, uh, a, a, a brilliant young officer, loved by his men, achieved everything, ranger training, green beret, he did everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, one Sunday morning, shot himself. Oh, goodness. And Dr. Bill says, never saw it coming. I, 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 I don't know what happened. There was no signs, nothing. Right. And me and my wife were at Animal Friends for this turnout for the program. Um, <clears throat> and I just, I had been retired a couple of years. And I told my wife, I, I can't sit back on this. I've got to get involved. And so I got involved with the uh, veterans program. Um, they wanted to have a veterans council. So when we went out to, 
talk to veterans. It was veteran to veteran. Oh, very smart. Which mm-hmm. is, like my wife says, when I walk into a store and I see a Vietnam veteran coming with his hat on, and you're, I know you guys are good for half an hour. Right. And <laughs> I that's do that it. with my husband, too. <laughs> right. Well, I'm Irish. Yep. <laughs> anyway. But, uh, yeah. Um, and the program is, is a great one. It fulfills a need. There is a hole. You can get support animals, and they've got some highly trained support animals. Mm-hmm. You mean like service dogs? Service yeah. dogs, mm-hmm. and they are very expensive. Yes, I mean, they if are. you can't get a GoFundMe fund going, it's. I mean, there's tens of thousands of dollars we're absolutely. talking about, right? And, and yeah. they're great animals, mm-hmm. and Guardian Angels uh, provide that service, mm-hmm. and they do a great job, which they've got a new facility here in Moon Township. Yes. Uh, actually bigger than the one in Florida, which really is going to make it nicer for Pittsburgh veterans. We're very excited about that. Absolutely. We will ask them to join us sometime in the near uh, future Absolutely. As well. Great organization. Mm-hmm. Actually, when they get a veteran that comes to them for a service dog, and they look and say, look, you really don't need this high-performance dog. They send them to us. Oh, okay. Just like the VA mm-hmm. does in their uh, mental department up there. If they see a veteran come in and they say, you know what, this guy could probably use a, uh, a, an emotional support animal. Yes. They send him over to Animal Friends. We had one referred to as um, Patrick Creek, um, to Iraq, EOD, explosive, um, an explosive uh, expert, came back um, drinking mm-hmm. drugs. The wife picked up with the two kids and left. He just went through all kinds of things. They were trying to get him off this expensive medication he was on. And they said, you know what? He could probably deal with an emotional support animal. They sent him down to us. He came down, and he saw this little beagle. We just had a, 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 a litter of beagles down there. And he picked one out that ran up to him and grabbed him. Actually, the dog picked him. Oh, and he called him Zulu. I said, why Zulu? He says, it's the last letter in the alphabet. And this is my last chance. Oh, wow. And I said, well, it's going to be your winning chance. He took the dog home. His girlfriend called me four days later. Sonny, he's sleeping straight through at night with the dog. <laughs> wow. He gets up in the morning. Mm-hmm. He's getting into a routine. Well, I got to feed the dog. I got to take the dog for a walk. Mm-hmm. Put him in a routine. This was a total turnaround. This was one of our biggest success stories, um, and, and we, that, do, we do have a video of all this. It's really and that good is, video. that happens so fast. So quick. This, wow. this, this, is, what, this is what really knocked mm-hmm. me off my, my feet because this was my first big one like this. Um, and, uh, I mean, they, he, they got him into school. He became a geologist. Uh, we got a company that, that supports the animal friends. It got him a job here. He worked here in Pittsburgh. Uh, he got married. Actually, in July, I like to follow up with my veterans. Mm-hmm. I called him on his cell phone. He said, you'll never guess where I am. I said, where are you? He said, I'm in North Carolina. I said, what are you doing down in North Carolina? He says, I just built my home down here. Oh. I said, well, things sound like they're going mm-hmm. great. He said, I'll tell you how great they're going. I got my two kids. So, wow. I mean, it, it was, I want to say oh, a Grand Slam home run, but it's bigger than that. Yeah. It's really bigger than that. It was a true story. Um, I carry the video around in my fire, my Amazon fire. And um, we were at an event uh, at a restaurant up in North Hills. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the owner used us there that night because his son committed suicide. And I said, I've got this video. And he played it on the multi-screen TVs. The bar got totally Mm. silent. 
totally silent. And I saw a lot of big dudes sitting at the bar with tears in their eyes. I bet. It's a very emotional video, but it showed you just how much that little puppy meant. At Animal Friends, we've got two problems. We've got veterans in crisis, mm -hmm. and we've got a no-kill shelter. Lots of is animals. Absolutely lots of animals. Mm -hmm. And we try our best to get that, that veteran the match dog that he's looking for. Although lots of times they come down and they see one, and that's, that's, that's the one they want. I mean, the support program down there is just not giving them a free animal. Mm -hmm. They can go to the food pantries or come down to our child wagon and get free dog food, cat food. It's a dog, cat, or bunny, and a bunny's another story. I found a veteran that had a bunny one time, and I got the story from him. He says he listens for me. When I come home from work and I hit the garage door opener, he knows I'm coming in. <laughs> I pull my car in. I got three or four steps into my kitchen. When I open the door, the uh -huh. bunny's at the top step with his head down, waiting for a fist bump. That is so funny. Every time I come home. That's so funny because you don't think that veterans necessarily would go for a bunny. It just doesn't seem stereotypical veteran. Movie. You're absolutely right. They usually come and they want the German Shepherd, <laughs> yeah, you know. Right. And you see this guy come in and he's like World War II. He's 90. Uh -huh. He can barely walk on his own and he wants a big German Shepherd. It's not, <laughs> not going to happen. Right. And I can't believe how many. Well, some of the veterans are living in a situation where maybe they can't have a dog. It's an apartment. Mm -hmm. So a cat. Or a bunny, because yeah. bunnies are just like cats. They use a litter box. You, you put their dog, their dry food down, you put their water down, you put their litter box down. They're good. And that bunny is every bit emotionally attached to them as a mm -hmm. cat would be. Wow. We have a bunny wrangle at Animal Friends, and I encourage anybody that finds them to have a bunny wrangle. It's a great place to take kids on a Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. They turn all the bunnies loose in one big room with their toys, and your kids can go in with the bunnies, <laughs> and you watch this three-ring circus going on. It's, you, can't, you stop to watch it, and you will be there for 15 to 30 minutes easy. <laughs> I can only imagine. We'll have to get over there to see that. That sounds like a lot of fun. We also have a wellness center up mm -hmm. there that provides medical assistance. For them. I mean, in today's world, um, I know myself, it's over $800 for my two dogs for their annuals. They can come down to Animal Friends and get their vaccinations and stuff at the lowest cost possible, if not free. This is part of the uh, Animal Friends for Veterans program, Absolutely. Right? So they get discounted care. They get discounted okay. care. Mm -hmm. And because um, <clears throat> we, we have a whole new building up there that's a wellness center. Mm -hmm. We've been very blessed with some, with some uh, benefactors at Animal Friends that have provided uh, um, enough money for us to move forward with buildings. And the facility down there is A number one, A number one. I can't tell you how many people I have taken down there to show them the buildings. And when they hear how old they are, are impressed as just they, they like brand new. But everything down there for the shelter. And we also have the best volunteers in yes. Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Our dog walkers and our cat wranglers, um, I can't believe it. Though. We had that um, call in Ross Township where they were using the rented home to breed puppies. We had uh, over 100 dogs rescued in one night. Mm -hmm. And our volunteers heard the story on the news and came to the shelter on their own. And they worked till 4 o'clock in the morning to document wow. all those mistreated animals for the police. Well, as an animal lover myself... This just warms my heart because there are a lot of great um, animal shelters in the area. Absolutely. That do great work. But a Animal Friends is well known for their expertise and the care that they provide um, and the continuing support that they provide to a pet owner. So I like what I like about the uh, Animal Friends for Veterans program is that 
like you mentioned, they don't just pair you with an animal and say, see ya. Right, no. So it should not be a barrier for a veteran to have a companion animal because they will provide food for you if you need it. They will give you discounted services if you need it. And what did I see about a spay and neuter discount for a pet that is living in the home of a veteran? Is this correct? I, I'm, I'm sure all the medical discounts are there. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you what the discounts okay. are. I can just tell you one thing. Mm-hmm. You won't get it cheaper anywhere else in no, Pittsburgh. No, absolutely but not. The, veterans, the support program for veterans are there, not only just for them. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a veteran um, get a dog, and a couple months into that, he had to go into the veterans hospital for 30 days. Okay. He has no family to take care of his pet. We took the pet back to our shelter, maintained the pet. Mm-hmm. When he got out of the hospital, he got his Fantastic. animal right back. So it's a total support. Mm-hmm. We want 100% uh, adoptions to be perfect. Right. And that, that can be a concern for somebody who has health issues. You know, I'm, I'm getting bonded to this dog or this cat or this bunny. And what happens when... I have to go into the hospital, just like you said, or I'm in a crisis for some reason. Who's going to take care of this animal? And honestly, a lot of veterans find themselves a little alone, maybe a little isolated, right? And they don't have that support system to be able to take care of their animal. And that's what a wonderful service to know that a veteran can be at ease with that, knowing that their their beloved pet is in good hands. Right. They've, they've, really, got, they've really got a family of hundreds of people mm-hmm. backing up their adoption, and um, success stories are all we want to hear. So this just is not anecdotal evidence about veterans doing well with companion animals. I mean, there are studies that have proven this. Um, like you said, you gave the example about the, the veteran who was sleeping through the night. There's other veterans who report being able to lower or get off their medications. Um, and, and having the, the animal gives them a purpose now. Right, like you said, wake up every morning, feed the dog. Right, got to walk the dog. Right? And then in that process, you bond and you have somebody, another living being there for you, who you have to take care of, who depends on you. And that's a sense of purpose, which I think is so important to veterans today. Oftentimes, they lose their mission. Right, um, they don't feel like they have a reason to get up every day, and this provides that, and that provides hope as well. Yeah, we had Patrick say, um, you know, when he went into the service, he was trained to be in the service. But when he left the service, there was no training to transition back to civilian life. Exactly. So they lose that, um, that discipline, that um, rut, if you want to say mm-hmm. rut, that they're in, and there's no one to tell them what to do next. Exactly. We've heard um, that a lot. <laughs> so, so with the pet, and they start that bond, it's... And once that bond's there, it's mm-hmm. not going to be broken. And that pet will hold them accountable. Oh, yes, they will. <laughs> right? Oh, yes, they will. They yes, will they definitely will. do that. This is fantastic. I'm so glad you came today. It feels like the last few minutes just flew by so fast. What I'd like to do is tell people, uh, tell our listeners how they can contact Animal Friends uh, and take advantage of the Animal Friends for Veterans program. So uh, there's the website, is thinkingoutsidethecage.org. You'll find information there under the Programs tab, I believe. They can email, send an email to veterans at thinkingoutsidethecage.org, or a simple phone call will get you started. And that number direct for the Animal Friends for Veterans program is 412-847-7030. Right. Uh, Right? Oh, thank goodness. I'm (laughs) checking your notes. I'm checking my notes, too. (laughs) So 
again, that's 412-847-7030 to be connected directly with somebody that's part of the Animal Friends for Veterans program at the Animal Friends Shelter. I'd like to get one more thought in for veterans here in Pennsylvania, especially the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh area. Um, we, we work with a lot of veterans programs, and I was astounded to find out from Senator Lindsey Williams that the federal government doesn't know, and the Pennsylvania government doesn't know how many veterans are in Western Pennsylvania. <laughs> Western correct. Pennsylvania mm-hmm. is the most saturated yes. veterans area there is. Mm-hmm. And I was asked, had I ever registered with the Pennsylvania registration? And I said, well, no, when I come home, I got my $50 a month. She says, that's not registering. There is a registration form you can get on the Pennsylvania website. Mm-hmm. And it's important for every veteran to fill that out and send it off to Pennsylvania. This will send more money to Western Pennsylvania so that we can have more places like Southwest Veterans uh, Facility Mm -hmm. in this area. It's really important. We aren't getting half of what we need. You're you're exactly right. And I know that the challenge is that, you know, we know um, the number of people who are serving at the military bases here, right? We can kind of guess the number of people who are serving, but they go somewhere else to, to complete their service, another state maybe, to complete their service. But for veterans who are separated and who are not receiving care from the VA or um, you know, from the state, like you said, who haven't registered with the state, we don't know who they are. And like you said, it's important for them to stand up, to register, to to. Let people know you're here to get that funding to come in this area. And like you said, we are the highest concentration of veterans in the state. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's fifth highest area in the country. So our veterans definitely need support. Um, thank you for sharing that with us today. And that's, that's the mission of Restore 22 is also to find those veterans, those ones who can become isolated, maybe not have somebody to talk to. We want to know you and we want to take care of you. So reach out to us as well. So, Sonny, is there anything else you'd like to add? Oh, nothing. Just thank you very much for this opportunity. I'm hoping that we talk to enough veterans out there that we can at least get some more registered. Absolutely. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks also to everyone at Friendship Perk and Brew for hosting this episode of our Restore 22 Coffee Roadshow. And to everyone who came out today, uh, thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about Restore 22, visit our website at restore22.org. That's restore22.org. While you're there, consider making a donation to help create our nonprofit, veteran-focused coffee shop that will provide a place for veterans to connect with each other and with resources that can enhance their quality of life. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone.